Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What is up, Washington fans? Welcome to the Birdie Network podcast post-game show. Another heartbreaker, Brian. It seems like we just said every week it is the same. I'm Josh Taylor, joined by Brian Murphy. We're going to break this one down for you. This one I'm going to call heartbreak because it seems like every week we get in this game, gives us hope, and then it just gets taken away. This one, probably as ugly of an ending you can have. (laughs) Um, especially the way it happened with the penalty. I'm sure we'll talk about it all, but going into this game, we were two and six. Detroit was three and five. This was a very winnable game. Correct. Correct. Just like the last one for the record. And the one before that. Both. Yeah. All winnable. Yep. Seems like every game this season has been winnable for us. Um, but we just can't get it done. We didn't play the 2000 Raven defense, anything like that. We played the Detroit lions. Correct. Right. Lions came into this game without leading wide receiver Kenny Galladay. Rumors around saying he would end up in Washington. Same with Marvin Jones Jr. Seems like we're in the running for every every guy in free agency, um, including those two. But this one I felt good about. I felt like this is the game where the defense was going to show up with Galladay missing. You know, Stafford's been in and out of practice, you know, being put on the uh, reserve list with Coven and everything going on. I feel like this is the game where we could have taken advantage of everything. And I feel like we really need to start talking about the defense first for this one because this is where I feel like I was the most let down. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. It started with, you know, Marvin Hall having that deep ball on Kendall Fuller of all people. You know, he's had the best season out of that secondary. And then when you see him slipping and committing a penalty on that, you're like, oh, boy, what is going on? But you're absolutely right. The defense – did not step up uh, at all, at really at any point. A second straight game where they didn't force a turnover, and that's that's an issue. Huge. Um, so yeah, you're right. Defense was uh, was struggling. Uh, second half again, they made adjustments, but why can't they make those adjustments in the first half? We've talked about it plenty of times. And it's something Ron talked about. He loves how the team performs in the second half. He just said the same thing that we've been saying as fans is he wants the team to come out like that. And I really don't know like how. How do you do that? Like, is it practice? Is it something pregame? Is it the way you prep for the game? Like, what exactly gets you ready for a first half compared to the second half? Like, if you had any suggestion to throw out Ron, what would you say? It's almost like they're, like, waiting to react. Instead of establishing, you know, the tone of the game, they're waiting to react. They're, like, waiting to kind of see what these teams throw at them. And once they do they start to react okay. You know, they, they kind of get punched in the mouth and they sit back and they're like, okay, now now we see what's going on. But I don't understand why they can't, you know, punch first. Like, just, yeah. just one time, why they can't they can't hit hit first. Throw the first punch. I mean, bring a bring a blitz that they're not expecting in the first half, in the, in the first drive. I mean, do something to set the tone. And, you know, there's, there is a lot to be said about making adjustments, but I feel like we're, we're saying this every week, you know, it's okay to make adjustments, but it's also okay to start the game off well and not get gashed by 
uh, DeAndre Swift and, and not give up five yards a carry to Adrian Peterson on his four carries. I mean, it's just week after week, the same thing. And I appreciate the second half, the second half adjustments. Don't get me wrong. Or it'd be ugly. Oh yeah, big time. <laughs> but but make those adjustments beforehand. I don't I don't know what it is. You're right. Is it coaching? Is it practice? Maybe it's a little bit of everything. It's funny that you said like getting punched in the mouth because when I rewatched this game today, it literally reminded me of like watching a like, UFC fight, a boxing fight. Like if, if you watch some guys, they're really defensive. They're just like feeling each other out, throwing their hands out, you know, feeling range and like reactions and stuff like that. Just like you said, they're just waiting for the other person to do something to gas out to get tired, to make the wrong move, to make their own mistakes, and it's not working. And then second half, we're like, okay, like we know how they perform now. We know how they play. This is how we need to react. They're not aggressive at all. And, I mean, and to me, like, you know, after a round, you go to your corner, you adjust, you get, you know, advice on everything. I feel like that's what we're doing at halftime. But, like, between possessions, like, why is there not in-game adjustments, adjustments being made? Kind of like what you just said, like, but who does that fall back on? Is it Ron? Is it Del Rio? Is it Scott Turner? Sam Peasy? Like, who exactly does that fall on? And to me, honestly, I would say it it would have to fall back on Ron. Am I wrong? No, I mean, he sets the tone for the entire team, right? He set, you know, he establishes what they're, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we can can blame the offensive and defensive coordinator, but it's the head coach that makes these decisions. And, And you're right, yeah, is he not doing something right in practice? Is he not getting on these guys in practice when he sees something you know, going a little off, is he not correcting it? Because that, that's where, honestly, where I think it starts. If you're you're practicing bad habits, you know, it's going to translate to the game. Um, so, yeah, I mean, in these close games, like you said, when there are a few adjustments that can be made, it really does seem like, you know, maybe it does fall on the head coach. As far Maybe, maybe on the defensive side, I think, but on the offensive side, uh, I, I think that, you know, there were it got kind of cute there at different times. Um, and you know, you miss a field goal and, and you, you take a bad sack by your quarterback. That's not on the coaches, but uh, at the end of the day, when, the, when it happens again and again and again, you do have to look at the, the head man in charge. So as much as I, I love Ron and what he's doing, he, he's not above reproach. I mean, he definitely has made some mistakes this season and maybe it is one of them. Maybe he's not lighting a fire under his guys before the game. Maybe he lights a fire at halftime, but why is he not doing it before the game too? And you said with AP and Swift, you know, this was supposed to be the AP revenge game. He did average 5.3 yards yeah. per carry. Only had four carries. But this quickly turned into the uh, Swift show. 18 or 16 carries for 81 yards, average 5.1. And he had five catches for 68 yards and a touchdown, averaging almost 14 yards a catch. And I think what needs to be really talked about right now that's kind of coming to light now is how much we really are missing uh, Matt Ioannidis. Ever since mm-hmm. he went down, it seems like we talked about last week with Alvin Morris and Gallman having like career days. DeAndre Swift, the most all-purpose yards he's had in his NFL career against us. So that first start of his career, question. too. Yeah, first start. And they, they didn't shy away from like If you're watching the game, they're like, okay, we haven't seen AP at all yet. Because Swift was hot right off the gates. Like the whole Air Swift thing where he jumped over Everett and uh, who was the other one? Cameron Curl. Mm-hmm. Like that's the mm-hmm. kind of stuff that happens against us since Matt Ines went down, right? And we can talk about how good the you know front four is, especially, but it's a whole other game with the run game, you know, getting off your blocks, filling in the holes, and stuff like that. And I feel like Ines completely was the best on the team that did that. So one question I thought about: 
If you had to pick one guy on the D-line, you have Young, Payne, Allen, Ioannidis, Sweat, Kerrigan. You can only pick one of them, and you're building a D-line for the next three years. Who are you picking? Whew, shoot, man. That's tough, especially since you include Chase Young, the guys on the edge. Gotcha. That's a, <laughs> that makes it tough because they certainly are part of the defensive line. Um, right now, uh, it seems like Matt Ioannidis is is the part that's missing. And I don't know if that's a that speaks to the scheme not working or you know the other guys not filling in well. So it seems like he's the most valuable. I think long term, I would still take Chase Young. Um, but right now, it seems like Matt Ioannidis was the glue that was holding that together. And and like you said, they're, they're getting blown off the ball and. You know, Deron Payne's having a, a great year, I, I would say, but, you know, he can't do everything. And so, you know, Ioannidis has definitely been their, their best or most consistent defensive lineman, I, I would think. So for me, for, for this team, I would say Matt Ioannidis. Long term, if I was building from scratch, I would have to say still Chase Young. I think that he is just going to make impact plays that none of these other guys can. Um, but Ioannidis probably would be a close second right now. I, I would definitely agree. I think Ioannidis is showing. And he showed last year how big of a part of this uh, D-line yeah. he is. But one issue that we're having is getting to the quarterback. You know, we talked about, you know, Chase Young and Sweat. Even Tim Settle getting in there, he had a sack last week. Only, you know, 33 dropbacks, only one sack on Matt Stafford. And he got killed. <laughs> good Lord. Um, <laughs> that was a, that was a, uh, yeah. a pretty good hit by uh, Pierre Lewis. But only one sack. Are you at all, at all concerned about the sack numbers? Like, we've talked about this. That's the stat that jumps out. Are you at all concerned about it? Or are you still okay, you know, with the pressure that we're getting? Um, I mean, I don't mean to ride the fence, but yes. And, no. I mean, it is alarming to see only one sack, especially against a guy like Matt Stafford who, uh, you know, doesn't move all that well. And you should be able to hit a couple of times. But the thing is, is that, you know, we still talked about the defense. They still in the second half, um, you know, really kind of turned it around. They limited uh, Detroit to uh, what, one, two, three and outs, uh, you know, to coming out of the, the half after the touchdown. So I, I feel like the pressure is doing OK, but I certainly want to see that those stat numbers. I mean, those sack numbers go up. I feel like you, you got to get home. You know, it's one thing to say, oh, you're close. One thing to say, you know, we're putting good pressure, making him throw bad throws. But, I mean, at the at the same time, you only made him miss on nine throws. I mean, is your pressure really that effective if, if you're not getting home? And, you know, this was supposed to be the, the strong point of this, this team, right, this front seven that was tenacious and getting after the quarterback. And we, we got a little taste of it with the, the eight-sack performance against Philly. But it just has been kind of underwhelming since then. So, I would love to see more sacks, and I would love to see you know them get after the quarterback again, like we saw in Week One. Uh, but the crazy thing is, you know, it seems like it's, they've kind of come up empty a, a couple of times. But you know, they're still in the top ten. I think going into this week, they were they were top five or something like that yeah, in sacks. So they're there. They just have come in like large chunks, and then you know nothing at all, and then large chunks. I just would rather see it more consistent. I'd rather see three, 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 three than you know, eight, one, five, two, you know, I, I just would see, I want to see more consistency is, is I guess the, the short answer. I will say what I do like about um, the defense, and we've talked about Cameron Curl a lot, is how they're bringing him on the blitzes. 
Uh, that seems to be something he's just naturally good at coming off that edge. And yeah. I said it last week how he really reminds me of Landon Collins. And I see it more and more every week. Just a seventh round Landon Collins that's living way beyond you know up to the the bar that we had set for him. Um, but they don't they don't mind bringing him off those blitzes on the edge, and it seems like he's really getting the hang of it. You see it more and more every week. This is like the third week now where I've seen him coming off on those safety blitzes. Um, but we talked about Kendall Fuller. He got a lot of hate on Twitter. I tried defending him as long as I could. Um, hands down, been the best guy on our defense all season long. Highest graded player to, um, with PFF. Hold that with whatever you uh, think of PFF. Right. But still, Kendall Fuller, the numbers have been there. Hasn't given up a touchdown all season. It's all coming into this game. First, first touchdown, like I said, um, with Marvin Hall, absolutely his fault. Matt Stafford with that beautiful pump fake with the shoulders, got his feet tangled up, tried to hold him back, got the penalty, ended up in the touchdown. I want to talk about the second one because I've seen a lot of different opinions on this one. Um, with with uh, Kendall Fuller that touchdown against him in the corner of the end zone, are you putting that on him or are you putting that on the play design? Because if you really look at the play, he's responsible for like half of the field on that left side and it just happened to be a corner fade into the end zone are you putting that on fuller are you kind of looking at del rio like hey why are you asking fuller to cover two guys going two complete opposite ways yeah i think i saw your tweet about it and after rewatching, i was like yeah man how was he supposed to get all the way over there so um yeah i don't i don't put that as much on him the the first one like you said was absolutely on him he just got he got he took the bait and and paid for it but yeah, the second one, and he had kind of, I think he was kind of playing safety or like a modified safety or something like that. I don't know exactly where he lined it's like up. Like a but, Tampa, Tampa two and like a cover two kind of yeah. weird combo. Yeah, he definitely had had way too much ground that he needed to cover. And so I feel like he was put in a, in a bad spot. And I think uh, Aqib Tlaib, you know, he was getting some mixed reviews <laughs> on his uh, announcing. But I think the coverage stuff, I mean, who better to get that from than a guy that you know, played in the league for as long as he did and at the cornerback spot. So he, he was talking about a bunch of different things, which I thought was really cool. And I think he even mentioned that, you know, that he had a lot of ground to cover there. And so it's hard to put that completely on him. So it seems like that's more on the play. And, you know, I'm not going to knock on Kendall Fuller. Like we said, he has been by far, whether you, you look at PFF or you look at your, from your eyeballs, he's been by far the best player in that secondary. And it's bound to happen that you have a bad game, but you know, it, it, it is tough when you give up the big touchdown like that. I'm sure that's in the back of your mind. It probably stays with you a little bit the rest of the game. It's kind of, I guess it's kind of frustrating when it, when it ends up being to the third or fourth best receiver on that team is, um, you know, with Galladay being out, you know, Hall was probably the second, third best guy out there even on Sunday. So that's tough to see, but it is what it is with cornerback. You know, it, 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 it's a challenging position. You're trying to stop a guy from doing what he wants to do. And every now and then you're going to fail. So I'm not too worried about it. I think Kendall Fuller will bounce back, but it definitely wasn't his best game in burgundy and gold. Yeah. I, I, I really do just think that was all scheme on that one, to be honest with you. Like you said, it's going to happen the best, yeah. you know, I, but I do agree with sleep. He even said like himself, he's like, Kendall Fuller never plays like that kind of coverage. Right. I'm not sure why he even did that. So, even he saw that and was like, yeah, I highly disagree. The The other thing with Tlaib that I found interesting, and, and maybe we'll get into this more, was 
he wasn't critical. I, I don't know if you heard heard this. You said you watched it back, but he wasn't critical of Jack Del Rio, but he did mention, you know, because he played for Jack Del Rio yeah. at, at one point in, in Denver. I don't know how many years it was, but, you know, he, he said what Jack Del Rio likes to do. Like, he was kind of calling out the plays, and I wonder if that's kind of, if other teams kind of know his tendencies and if that's an issue. And the other thing was he mentioned that, uh, Sometimes Jack Del Rio likes to bring the all-out blitz sometimes, or a certain blitz. I can't remember exactly what he said, but he said sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And I thought that was interesting coming from one of his former players. I don't know that it was a knock on him, but I definitely think that, you know, there's a book on Jack Del Rio, and maybe a couple of these offenses are figuring it out, and maybe that's why they're able to jump out to these early leads. I don't know if you caught on to that or yeah. heard any of that. Yeah, I thought that was interesting because, like you said, I mean, Del Rio's been around for a long time. I mean, yeah, absolutely. back even to like the Raiders, Broncos, like you mentioned. Um, maybe, maybe teams are just catching on to your schemes and watching the tapes and saying, hey, this is something that they do way too often. And they know we have Troy Apke, and then you can go deep as much as you want. So he almost gave up the the game winner on his by himself. It, yeah. They almost didn't even need a field goal. Um, all of Twitter would have imploded if that happened. So Apke, just be thankful um, that Matt Stafford got a little too pass happy. Speaking of guys um, with kind of iffy job securities other than Apke, Dustin Hopkins, hottest name in Washington right now, two for three. Made the 41-yarder when it mattered the most. Made the 38-yard chip shot and then missed the 43. Ryan talked about today saying that bringing in other kickers is something that has been talked about. I think it's going to happen. Do you agree with it? Did Hopkins save his job with that field goal at the end? Or are you looking at him like, hey, man, if you make all three, we win that game? I, I don't know that you can put it all on the kicker because the defense still, you know, allowed the drive at the end. And so, you know, instead of a game-winning field goal for Detroit, is that a game-tying field goal and you go to overtime anyway? You know, it's hard to put it all on one missed field goal, but it just seems week in and week out. It's always so shaky. And I feel – I think I tweeted, I, I feel like I'm holding my breath on a 38-yarder. And I should never be <laughs> holding my breath when a kicker tries something under 40. Especially being I feel an like, Alabama fan, it's – we, we've never, oh, yeah. we haven't had a kicker. <laughs> PTSD for you, I'm sure. None of your teams have a kicker. But Man, please just don't run this back. <laughs> but but I mean, like, and it was indoors. Like, there's no wind. There's no yeah. issues. I, I think it, it's kind of mental for him. You know, it just seemed, you know, I know he's dealing with the injury, and I, I believe that that's part of it, but... I don't know, man. I think you got to at least bring in some competition. Whether or not you sign the guy, at least bring in some competition and make Hopkins work for it. Because I feel like he hasn't had to work for it. He hasn't really competed with anybody in, I don't know, ever since he's gotten the job. Like, I can't remember them legitimately bringing a guy in. Like, I think he was banged up a little bit, and they brought in Nick Rose. Yeah. Uh, but that was just to replace him until he got back. Like, I just don't think he's faced competition. And maybe that's what he needs. He needs to get a fire lit under him and, and that job security yeah exactly because it you know under 40 should be a gimme and you should be able to make you know a good amount of 50 plus and i feel like he, they're not even in field goal range when it gets to 50 plus and we saw that i know it was a 55 yarder and i know his groin was was not feeling great but they punted on a, a short field and it just kind of speaks to how they see their kicker so i think you got to bring in a uh, competition whether or not you sign him, I don't know. I think they're going to keep – I think they're going to hold on to him. I feel like Ron is going to give him the benefit of the doubt. But um, I think we're, we're looking at if 
you know, he continues to struggle into the Thanksgiving game, that mini buy. I think they'd bring somebody in then. So let's take a look at this. I just brought up on ESPN 2020 season stats. Um, field goal percentage, he is shooting at 70.6%, which is 30th in the league. Um, he is extra points, 94%. Thank God, if that was any lower, he'd be gone for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, regular season, he is 12 for 17. Um, it seems like where he's really struggling is 40 to 49 yard field goals. He's 6 for 10. So that's not good. It's 60%. No. And then he's only had one of uh, greater than 50 yards. And uh, he shanked that one. So it looks well, like if it's under 40 yards, he's golden. But if it's anything above that, good luck. Yeah, really. And every other kicker in the league, I mean, not every other, but most kickers in the league, under 50 is a gimme. 50 is where they start to get a little iffy, and you would understand that. And he Unless just is not. Yeah, he, <laughs> yeah, he's a beast. That yeah. was unreal. Um, but but you do have to, you know, I, I know we're not going to blame, or I don't blame you know, it all on the kicker. But when you lose your last three games by a combined seven points, you, you sure would love to have one of those five field goals, I think. So that's definitely something they got to look at. Yeah, Prater, that was such a weird, like, story with him, like, bouncing around for a little while, and then, like, no one picked him up, and then the Lions just picked him up, like, last minute, like, last year or the year before that. But the dude's a stud. I knew right away. I was like, he's going to nail this. Like, his yeah. career long is, like, a 62-yarder or something crazy. Um, so... I wish we had that uh, comfortability with our kicker also, but who knows? It sounds like Ron and then we're definitely talking about it, so it wouldn't surprise me if this week at practice some random guy shows up. Uh, Kai Forbath is out there, I think. <laughs> so. Well, I think he got put on the IR. I think he's oh, legit hurt. But dang, we gotta have. The but Kai what is the what is the guy on the practice squad? Ved Vedvik. He's like six two. He looks like he could play no like. Clue tight end i, I can't remember his well name. then we need to be playing him at tight end <laughs> yeah kare vedvik i think Kare-Ved- he's on the roster i think they were is talking he Russian? about he is from norway oh even better norwegian he probably played rugby he sounds like he has a rugby name you never know i don't know but anyway but <laughs> that's our yeah you gotta week. think that there's somebody out there at least at the very least to compete if not take his job because I can't keep watching Hopkins. And especially, as sad as it is, as bad as this team is at 2-7, and seven, like we said, they could have won the last three losses that they had. And, you know, they're still in the division race. Even with two wins over halfway through the season, they are still in this race, which is crazy. And so you, you, you need a kicker if you're going to compete. And uh, I don't know that Hopkins is it long term. No, it's it's it seems like it's nearing the end. A lot of fans were hating on him and uh, ready for that to be over. And I'm kind of on that same boat. Um, but definitely need to talk about the offense. And Alex Smith's first start, crazy enough. I didn't think it was going to happen. We've heard about this story. Is it getting old to you? Like, I understand it is, like, probably the biggest comeback in football history with what he was going through if you've seen his leg. But does that give you any kind of forgiveness for his play? Or are you kind of just, you know, he did just break his leg and almost end his life, and he is starting as a quarterback now. It's third and long. The quarterback's got to shave some yards off here to have any chance to score. Let's see what he does. He drops back. He has a guy downfield, but he doesn't see him. He tries to hand the ball off to a cheap razor. Boom! He's nicked in the sack. It's a fumble, and the ball is going the other way. That one's going to hurt for a while. What in the world was he thinking? 
Let's go to the monitors and see exactly what went wrong. You know, this offseason, his coaches at Manscaped enhanced the lawnmower 3.0 offense to a whopping 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. They gave him all the chances he had to get that safe clean cut up the sideline with the cutting edge ceramic blade, but instead he got nicked on the sack by a rusty defense. If he would have used the LED light that comes with the 3.0, there is no doubt he would have been able to see his playing field much better. Looks like he's going to be going over to the sideline with his Manscaped coaches, grab the tablet, see what went wrong, and if he's smart, he's going to go over to manscaped.com and use the code BNP20 to save 20% off his entire cart with free shipping. That's right. Use code BNP20 to save 20% off your entire cart with free shipping. Don't keep making the same mistakes and give your balls a clean pocket next time. And there's no doubt the result will be a touchdown. Uh, it, is, it is amazing. Don't get me wrong. I think it's amazing that he is out there when he it wasn't even a given that he was going to walk again. But I think that... Uh, you know, we got to get a couple of wins or we got to see something. And I, I, I appreciate the fact that he went back to back over 300 yards for the first time in his career, Huge. which is crazy to me. Um, but at the same time, it hasn't translated to, to, to much, you know, it's a great story. And I think he's already got the comeback player of the year award. And, you know, who knows if they name it after him? Cause I mean, how much more of a comeback can you get than yeah. what he did? But I think we need to see more, and, you know, I, I, I don't know. I just think it says more about the quarterback position with this team than anything. You know, I, I appreciate what he's doing, but I don't think he's a long-term answer. And maybe the long-term answer isn't on the roster. Uh, maybe it hasn't been. You know, I, I just think it speaks more to the quarterback position that we that this team is in a spot where they're starting a guy that couldn't even walk, you know, a year ago. You know what I mean? Like the fact that this is where they're at with the quarterback. This is how bad they've been at the most important position in the game to where they're, they're having to start this guy. Like that just speaks more to me about the team. And it's so awesome what Alex Smith is doing, but at the same time, like this is really the best, this is the best that we have a guy on one leg that cannot move as as well as he used to and probably won't ever again. Like it, it just speaks so poorly about this team and how, poorly they've done with this position i'll say this i gotta give a shout out to my guy rant i formerly known as redskins rant washington rant he always talks about like how how comfortable we are with average quarterback play and how we say how good it is but like deep down we know how average of quarterback play back i mean to patrick ramsey mark burnell like we have been suffering in this quarterback PTSD of just average play for so long we got the little taste of the greatness of what RG3 could have been and we're 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 just in this stage of like just being stuck with oh he didn't suck so he did really well so I talked about you know grading Alex Smith's performance 38 55 390 yards no touchdowns no interceptions just stat stuff in yards. Um, so I took a look at the next-gen stats because I was really interested because it seems like all game long that – and it was back to the Rams, Giants. You're not seeing this too. The checkdowns, the drop-offs. To me, it seems like they're absolutely being, you know, 
they're containing the playbook a little bit for Alex Smith. They're they're holding back. They're not being aggressive. They're not asking him to do too much. Um, whether it's the injury, whatever, you know, coming back. But I mean, JD McKissick got 15 targets, and yep. most of them were either at the line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage. So if you take a look at his passing chart. He had 13 of his 55 passes at or behind the line of scrimmage. Only five passes were thrown greater than 20 yards. Only two were completed. Um, And 26 passes were either at the line of scrimmage or 10 yards out. So if you're, you're looking at this with 39 passes, less than 10 yards, and some of them were even behind the line of scrimmage. Is that really what you had in mind with our offense? With the air core yell supposed to be spreading it out. We've talked about how all these motions and just spreading the field, going deep. Like, do you think it's being held back still? Or, or like, what do you think is really going on with our play calling? Because yeah. I know you love the second the second down play calling also. Oh, my gosh, man. <laughs> I mean, the reverse. I mean, it just seems like second and long, they're going to call a run no matter what. Go uh, you know, side to side too. They're not going to go straight up the middle. They're going to run as far wide as they can. Exactly. That's that's the crazy thing is that it's like Scott Turner calls a run on a second and long, but when they get to second and short, that's when he's going to call something cute or, on a reverse and just absolutely blow up the momentum you have. Anyway, it's like, that that's that's awful. I I I don't know, man. Like. I think that, that the Lions kind of figured out that if you bring the pressure on Alex Smith, that he's going to just check it down even more than he than he does normally. And I think that, I mean, I'm sure the Bengals are going to bring the house on Sunday. I mean, I think teams are, gonna, are not dumb. They're going to see that this guy can't move, and he's going to have to check it down. So you're right. I don't know if they, they can even open up the offense completely with Alex Smith. And so maybe this is a modified version to be able to do what he can do with limited mobility. But, yeah, something's got to change. I mean, we talk, we've talked about it all season long, the outside of Terry McLaurin, and now we're seeing maybe uh, Antonio Gibson, that there are not a lot of playmakers. And so the way that you're, you're, you're able to overcome that with an offense is you scheme up guys getting open. And so to their credit, I mean, these guys are open underneath, and you know there were, were a lot of yards, but it, it felt, like you said, like a lot of empty yards, and that's just what it feels like week in and week out. Like they're moving the ball okay, but it's like defenses are able to clamp down when they need to because there's no creativity to, to get a guy open, to, to scheme up a perfect play. It just seems few and far between that the right play comes out of this. And so it's hard to tell, is it on one hand, is it Scott Turner and him not calling the right play? Or is it on the other hand that he knows what he should be calling, but he's so limited by his quarterback position, whether it be a guy that is coming off a potentially life-ending injury, whether it's a guy, a former first-round pick that, you know, thought he had it figured out but but doesn't in Dwayne Haskins, or a guy that was undrafted and is unproven in Kyle Allen. Like maybe he he knows what he needs to call, but his quarterbacks are holding him back. It's just so hard to tell. But either way, it's so frustrating. Well, like you said, the the lack of the playmakers too. You don't have Hopkins, you know, going out right with yeah. all with Larry Fitzgerald, Kenyon Drake. Like you don't have this offense. And I'm curious, like, we know that, that Washington really pursued Amari Cooper. Does this offense look different with a, another guy on the other side? Maybe so. 
But does does Scott Turner call the right plays even if he has another wide receiver? I don't know. I I, I don't know. And it, it it's frustrating that you know a lot a lot of not only the entire team, not only the defense, but it's offense, defense, special teams. Every week, it's the same thing every week with all three phases of the football, and it's getting pretty frustrating. It's getting very repetitive. Yeah, yeah. Very. One thing that really stood out to me: Washington, eighty-three plays. Detroit 55 that's a lot of that's a lot of plays to not be scoring on right um that to me is and you can say what you want about it but even total yards we had 464 Detroit had 372 so we almost have 100 yards more than them like if you just read these stats after the game you're like oh that was an easy dub like right like time control let me look at that because we held the ball for longer than them too yeah, time think, possession and and there was a time when like Detroit hadn't gotten a first down. I think they said in like 17 minutes of I don't know if it was game action or, or or real time. Either way, that's ridiculous. The fact that you know they were able to hold them, but yeah, to come away with with three points in the first half uh, and and to 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 lose that game period with, with, when you're dominating that much, it's just it's inexcusable. We had the ball for 35 minutes. They had it for 24. So almost we had 11 minutes more than them. And uh, we had 34 first downs. They had 21. So yeah, that's, what, that's the one I saw. Downs. I can't I can't believe that how many more first downs we had. It just seems like – and maybe I think it's all the dinking and dunking. And then once the Lions needed to clamp down, they were able to. And, and I think that kind of speaks to the offense and the lack of playmakers and the lack of creativity and all of it. Yeah, and I will say with, with Alex Smith, what he did the best, 22 passing first downs compared to Matt Stafford's 12. The refs definitely helped us out at the end too, made up for some uh, garbage plays. But still, it's like, how are we doing all of this? And it really just seems like we're doing the same thing every drive. Short play, short play, short play, chunk yards, miss a field goal. Short play, short play, chunk yards, can't score. Right. And then our defense gives up a big play, and it's like, okay, they only needed one one pass to go 50 yards and score on us. It's like the same thing every week. So if you had to grade Alex Smith based off of his game, what grade are you giving him and why? Uh, I think I'm giving him a C plus, okay. and I and I I am taking into account the fact that he shouldn't even be playing. Like it's unbelievable that he's playing. So that bumped his grade up a little bit. But I mean, to throw 55 passes and to complete 38 of them, you know that's that's a lot of passes and that's a lot of yardage, and he still didn't get a touchdown out of that. And that that to me screams the fact that he is dinking and he's dunking and he's, you know. Taking what's there, that's fine. But at the end of the day, a quarterback's got to throw for yards, but they've got to throw for touchdowns too. Like, that's important. And I just feel like he left a lot of plays out there um, that could have really changed this game. I mean, the McKissick one, uh, I think there might have been actually a couple to McKissick where he could have walked into the end zone. I mean, McKissick's his favorite guy, and the two times that he should have hit him, you know, could have really swung this game in, in, in different ways. So, just the fact that he wasn't able to get into the end zone and, like you said, not able to stretch the field, I'm putting it at a C plus. I don't think that, and I don't think that's awful. I think that yeah. that's pretty good in for your first start in two years. But there was a lot left to to be desired from him. 
Yeah, that one pass in the end zone uh, when he overthrew McKissick, that one hurt me the most. Mm-hmm. Like, he was there. Like you said, that's his guy. Um, but, you know, I, I, if you say B-, minus, I'm okay with it. If you say C+, plus, I'm okay with it, um, depending on, like, what you're expecting out of a quarterback. If you want a game manager, cool, B-, minus. he had a great game. Yeah. If you're looking for a franchise QB that's going to win games, C+, plus is more like it. If we wanted a game manager, honestly, we could have just stuck with Kirk Cousins. Um, overpaid him too. <laughs> like, if that was the case, we don't need that though. That's what I was saying with what my guy Rant's been saying with how comfortable we are with average quarterback play. We don't like literally just go watch any other team play. Go watch the Bills play. Go watch. Go rewatch the the Dolphins Arizona game or even the Bills Arizona game the other night. Like right. that's what good quarterbacks look like. You don't see these little check downs and just average quarterback play. Like not throwing interceptions is great. But not throwing touchdowns is just as bad as, you know, not throwing turnovers is good. Like, you have to weigh them out. So, Ron said after the game, or today, he said, is Alex Smith the franchise quarterback of this team? He said it's possible. That hurt me a little bit. I I felt a little betrayed by Ron. Um, Is Alex Smith the franchise quarterback of this team? It, he can't be. It, he can't be. I, I, I mean, I'm all for him finishing out this year and, you know, whatever that looks like the rest of the year. But he cannot – there's no way he can potentially be your guy moving forward. I just don't think that he has it. I mean, the blitz comes and he's a sitting duck, and it's no fault of his own. Like, I mean, it's just the, the, the case that he just can't move the way that he, that he used to. The only reason I would say that he is on this roster is I, I think I saw this somewhere someone pointed out. Maybe he is a Fitzpatrick role. Maybe you draft a guy and you're not sure if he's ready at the beginning of the year. I'd be okay with that. But with the amount of money that he's owed and uh, you know the contract and all that, I just don't see how it's possible for him to be around and for him to be the future. I, I think that this season is nice, and I think it's a great way for him to ride off into the sunset, honestly. I understand how much cap we have going into next season it's like top five in the league but still i want alex smith off the books i don't want that contract especially if he's not going to be our franchise quarterback and he's not like if if he's our if he's truly our franchise quarterback if i knew today that he was quarterbacking for us three years from now and starting i'd be like we are just going to be that same average team and like all my hopes just got shut down big time so looking at it um, I do want to mention Gibson because we talked about how Alex Smith didn't score and it seems like Gibson is just on a roll. He scored in like six straight games now. Um, being that he was a wide receiver at Memphis and you hear that, you know, pretty much every game if you watch how much he's really evolving into this running back role. It seems like every week he is getting better. His vision's not there yet. Um, cause it is different being, you know, a wide receiver, you know, after you catch the ball and you're running, from just being a running back and trying to find that initial lane behind your line. Um, That's coming. But still the part, the fact that he's finding the end zone as much as he is, to me, that's impressive. But, you know, we talked about this to start the season. Only 89 rushing yards Sunday against Detroit, who allows 141 per game. Is that at all concerning to you? Are you still comfortable with these checkoffs, dump passes, being our quote-unquote running game? 
I mean, I think you got to get rushing yards when you can against bad defenses, and they certainly weren't able to do that for whatever reason. I mean, part of it is the fact that you're down by three touchdowns in the blink of an eye. I mean, you can't really commit to the run like I think you, you would want to. But, yeah, against a team that, that is, is not very good against the run, you probably would have liked to see a little bit more rushing yardage. And I think I think that it was there. I think you mentioned the vision. I, I, I've seen a couple of clips where he could have absolutely cut it back and had way more space. And I, I was seeing it live a little bit. It just seems like he's he's given up on the hole before realizing, you know, oh, wait, let me be patient and cut it back here or something like that. But, yeah, you know, I would have loved to, to have seen a little bit more out of him. But I'm not going to be too upset because, like you said, I think he just continues to improve. And I think that – we are going to get those 100-yard games with, with huge numbers like that down the road. But like you said, he hasn't played much. Uh, he hasn't played much running back. He's mostly been a receiver, and so he's got some skill set outside the running back position. But uh, like you said, when, when a team is giving up that many rushing yards, you would have liked to take it a little more advantage of it. Maybe don't run a reverse on second and three. Maybe run it up the middle and, and pound it on them. And I will say J.D. McKissick has been a great find um, in free agency. You know, really playing that role that we expected him to. Um, but every week he's coming more into this role that we expected. But Alex Smith loves the guy for sure. That's the kind of guy, like, their relationship's going to be like this because of how they both play with his checkdowns and, you know, his, his running back throws. And J.D. McKissick just being an all-out great player on both sides of the ball for receiving and rushing. Um, to me, he was a good find. But Cam Sims... Do you think he is kind of forming into that wide receiver two role? I don't think he is next year, but like this year he's really taken a hold of that, made some big plays this game. Looking at next year, obviously we need to get one more big name wide receiver on here. I'm not comfortable with this wide receiver core next year. Cam Sims being wide receiver three next year. Yes, no. Are we finally seeing that breakout? Are you still kind of having some doubts about him? I think uh, he looks better on this offense. I, I definitely think that he is showing great signs. He made a couple of clutch plays uh, for this team, but I think he looks better at receiver than he actually is just because of the lack of receiver help here. But I do think that he is going to be a contributor you know, in the future. I think, he, yeah, wide receiver three, wide receiver four, I think he's got a spot on this team. Um until they do find a, a stud. Otherwise, I mean, he's going to run out there as a wide receiver too, and it seems like he's going to make plays. So you can't knock him for making plays when he's asked to do it. I just don't think in a in a really good offense that he would be a huge contributor, but that's not what this offense is, and he's he's definitely playing his part well. You know how you go to the grocery store, and it's like you see like all these name brands, and then you just see the brand that just says sugar? Yep. That's That's our offense. Yeah, <laughs> it just says generic offense <laughs> store store brand, not the well known. Yeah, store brand. That's that's it. We're the great value uh, brand. Uh, but in closing, we have to talk about it. Chase Young, the penalty. Ron said he pushed him. He must have just pushed him too hard. He didn't agree with it. A lot of us didn't. Do you think it was a good call? Was it too late? Are you knocking the guy for it, or is it just his rookie mistake coming at the worst time possible? Yeah, I think it was a rookie mistake. Um, I don't, you know, I get it that it was kind of ticky-tack, but you, you can't do that in that situation. He he took a couple of step extra steps and hit him. 
had he been right there and shoved him, I don't think it would have been a penalty, but he took a couple extra steps and I'm sure Stafford sold it a little bit, but yeah, that you just got to know the situation and know that you don't need to hit him. He'd already let go of the ball. Um, I just think it was a dumb play by a young player. And I really, I think that's where it ends. I don't think it's an, uh, it's like a indicator of things to come or an indicator or, or a red flag or anything like that, that I'm sure it's going to be spun into by some people. I just think it was a young player who maybe was frustrated he couldn't get there. Maybe he was trying to make a play and wasn't thinking. But I just I, it was a dumb play at the worst time. And I think that's where it ends, I think, period. I think that that's all it was. Um, rookie made a bad play. It happens all the time. I agree with you, especially at the end of the game like that. You want to be the guy that makes that game-sealing you know, play. You, you want to be that playmaker. And it was just slightly too late. It is what it is. It's what, it's what the league is now. You can barely touch the quarterback. Something like that's going to get called every single time. Right. Terrible yeah. mistake at the worst time possible, but the Chase Young Chirpers is what I'm going to call them. They were out. And uh, if, you, if you think this guy's a bust and you're just not watching the tapes, you're not seeing the yeah. double teams and the pressures that this guy's making. But next week, Joe Burrow, the Bengals, We'll talk about it. Another winnable game. Yeah. We think. Uh, <laughs> we think. Maybe. I mean, <laughs> if there is a game that he goes off, it's got to be in this one, right? I mean, he could have been the first round, I mean, the first overall pick, if not for this ridiculous quarterback. I mean, I feel like that would make you a little bit hungry. Not to mention, I'm sure he sees the, the chirping. I think he knows, you know, his numbers are low. His mom like calls him out. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> I mean, there, there's something to be said about you know you're 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 not showing up on the stat sheet, but doing everything right, which he certainly is. But I'm sure at the end of the day, he sees that those numbers are a little low, and he wants to make a uh, make himself known. And what better way to do that against the uh, the star the star quarterback from a year ago in college and the the prize possession of of the Bengals? Yeah, your former quarterback at Ohio State before he transferred to LSU. Right. Haskins remembers. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure Chase Young does too. So we will definitely break that down on Thursday. And then Sunday, Brian's going to be in Disney World way before anyone from Washington goes to Disney World, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. We won't see any Super Bowl commercials anytime soon, guys. Sorry. No, I'll, I'll let I'll let the Washington football team know what it's like. Can Maybe you, one day. Can you at least reenact that little part before you leave? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Oh well, that, that's that's all we need from you. But uh, we'll definitely fill in. Have Adam come in on Sunday to talk about that game afterwards. But like I said, we'll break it down on Thursday. Try to get a guest on for y'all to talk about some Cincinnati football. Definitely going to be a good one. This is one where our defense needs to step up, especially a guy like Joe Burrow. Like you said, getting as much attention as he is. It's not as good as Tua, but he's he's getting there, right? <laughs> Just kidding. Roll Tide, and we will see y'all on Thursday. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v 
on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.